you so much. Welcome back to another episode of Sunbelt Pods with newly employed Scott. And also we have our guest, DJ. Scott, I will let you introduce our guest and uh, prevent you from uh, not getting to talk. So here you go. Here's your chance. You complain about not talking. Here you go. Yes. So we've got a guest from Georgia Southern, one of the few schools left that we haven't talked to a fan or a person who is associated with yet. Um, he's a sports editor for that student newspaper over there, the Georgian, I believe it's called. So we got him on here. We're going to talk about Georgia Southern and Sunbelt and realignment. Um, going to be going to be a fun podcast that we're going to do a little bit differently. So I'll start here uh, with you, DJ. What is it like to do student media at Georgia Southern? Um, it's all right. Uh, I'm the only sports person we have. So, I mean, for the past year and some change, it's been kind of stressful just covering the entire D1 sports program basically by myself. But I think I do a pretty good job at it. There you go. Flex on us. Remind us uh, what you do. So Georgia Southern, let's go into that then. Georgia Southern, uh, that that team is weird to me, and it's weird to Scott too. I think that they're in the East, but they're never in that conversation to be the best team in the East, right? Like it was App State for the longest time, and then Coastal kind of took over the block, and then Coastal just lost this past week, so now it goes back to App State, and the entire time Georgia Southern is kind of just sitting there. I don't want to say in the shadows lurking, but that's kind of how I feel about uh, the Eagles a lot of times, that they're kind of just back. They're always going to – they're not always going to finish third, but they feel like they continue to finish in third place. And they say it's coming in seconds like kissing your sister or tying is like kissing your sister. Coming in third, what's that like? Because I don't know. It's not, it's not fun. It's not fun. The fans aren't happy down here. All right, go on. Why? Why are fans not happy? Um, I, a lot of the fan base – at least that I've been exposed to outside of the students is, is older people who were here back during the FCS days when we were winning national championships back when Eric Russell was here. And they, for some reason, took that same level of expectations of national championships to the FBS level. And it's just, they just have unrealistic expectations sometimes. Now, this was also the school that had a little bit of a problem with fun. You got rid of the most fun guy in the Sunbelt Conference from a fan side and from a student side of things, what was that like? The you, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about Gavin Adcock. And, uh, Adcock, big <laughs> cock. We love the guy over here. That's the number one guy of this podcast. Um, I mean, the response was as that there were two completely different sizes of students. We all loved it. It was, it was sick. It was one of the coolest things that happened to Georgia Southern this year. The old people. Probably ever. Oh, oh, it's up there. <laughs> and the, um, the, the, Old people and the boosters, they it was like freaking the devil came down here. <laughs> well, the devil did come down to Georgia. Yes, he did. And uh, the, the thing is with Adcock is he did steal the soul, I think, of the Eagles because they've played pretty flat since then. And I will say this. Nobody appreciated that nearly enough uh, of that linear transition I just made, but that's fine. Um, I will say this for Georgia Southern, that th- – They've looked really flat, and I think with Scott and I, Scott and I, I think our question was at the beginning of this whole thing is how do you fix it when you're halfway through the season, you get rid of your head coach, 
and your team just shows zero fight. Can you turn that around? And covering the team, do you see them turning it around? Um, I mean, it, at, at the press conferences, it's kind of just the same thing every week. We just need to be better. We need to execute better. All this. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over and over. And it was like that when Lunsford was here this year, too. So, I mean, I think they want to do better, but I just – I don't know. I just don't think we're talented. I don't think there's any turning around at this point. As somebody who has sat through press conferences like that in San Marcos where we just need to get better, uh, it's a good team, there's a lot of fight, I can tell you right now that that is the mark of the beast. That's a bad sign for a football program. Scott? Yeah, absolutely. That's called coach speak, and that's just nothing – there's nothing worse than coach speak. That that tells you that there's nothing exciting going on. There's no change. There's nothing that they're looking forward to. It, they have fallen in line with the beat, and they're just trying to get to the end of the day. Do you have any questions for your for our guest, Scott? Or are you just going to sit there looking at us? Uh, I was pretty comfortable just sitting here looking, but I will come up with a question right here. Uh, DJ, how does it feel – knowing that you used to be the only eagle on the block. But now not only is there another eagle, but it is a golden eagle. It is inherently a better eagle because it is golden. How does that feel? How does that make you feel? You know, I guess the first trip we make to Hattiesburg is just going to have to have to put Southern Miss back in line. So this is the most I mean, pandering I've ever seen. If the For the audience that doesn't know, Scott got a job. He's now covering Southern <laughs> Miss. And this is the most this is the most pandering to a group of people I've ever seen in my life. I'll, all right, let me ask you this right now. We're halfway through the season. Georgia Southern doesn't look like uh, they look like they're in tier two, I would say. I think it's Louisiana, App State, Coastal, clearly in tier one, Georgia Southern. Georgia State, Troy kind of in uh, – you know what? Troy's actually in the bottom. They're in the basement. ULM ULM kicked him out. They're in the basement. So you're in that second area. When these you add some teams to the Sunbelt Conference, which we're going to get to here in a second, do you still feel like Georgia Southern would be in that second tier? And are you comfortable as a fan of the program to be in that second tier? Am I comfortable to be there? No. We, I mean, I think we can compete in the first – I think we can get to the first tier. But I don't want if we add those teams, I don't think we will be in that first tier for a while. Hmm. I think this next coach is going to have to transition us out of the option offense, hopefully. Now, do you think so? You, you think the new coach they're not going to keep the interim that they have right now? They, they're going to go out, they're going to have a coaching search. I think so. I think promoting Whitley, the cornerbacks coach, to uh, to interim really spoke volumes that they weren't going to keep any of this staff. I think they're just done. I think they want to be done with the option or at least try to be done with the option. I think I think it'll be – I'm hoping it's an SEC guy. So We'll get to that in a second here when we talk about expansion. But the question – I oh, okay, so you, you talk about they don't want to keep the staff that they have right now. And, again, changing from the option – Scott and I talked about this on previous podcasts – changing from the option is a very tough thing, and that puts you back into – you're, you're going to move out of the second tier – First and foremost, you're going to go down to the third tier. Welcome to the basement with uh, Texas State, ULM, and Troy. Um, and you're going to have to work your way back up because you, the personnel you have right now, can they move into a West Coast offense, a spread offense, a pro-style offense? Are the, Is there talent there? Can they do that? Or is it going to be a complete rebuild? I think it's a complete rebuild. I, I, think, we need to, I think we need to run. I, I mean, we can't throw the ball. We can't throw the ball worth a crap. I'd be as effective as quarterback out there as Justin Tomlin is. I mean, he's got zero touchdown, five interceptions this year. I mean, we just can't throw the ball. 
Scott, anything? Yeah. No, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Justin Tomlin is um he's garbage. You know, I'll just lay it out there. He's not he's not a good quarterback to watch. Uh he's it's actually rather painful. I got to watch him in person. Um Cam Ransom is that dude. Cam Ransom looks like he's gonna be pretty good, but at the same time, if Georgia Southern goes away from any type of option whatsoever, Cam Ransom it's kind of useless. I mean, that's that's he's a dual threat quarterback. He can throw the football, but I, I like Cam Ransom so much, and I would hate to see him wasted. Which is why in a previous podcast I brought up that we should that we that that Georgia Southern should be going to you know the, uh, the Jamie Chadwell offense. But as Andrew pointed out, there's only one Jamie Chadwell out there. So Can you go get a disciple. Um, I you- think somewhat. I I don't know. Are there Jamie Chadwell disciples out there already? <laughs> it's a little early for that. He can get his offensive coordinator. His last name is Corn. I think his first name is Willie. Willie Corn. I don't know. Go get Willie that- Corn. I think Willie Korn would be an excellent head coach in the state of Georgia. Oh, he'd be great. He'd fit right in, right, right down here in Statesboro. That's what I'm saying. Um, Scott, DJ, let's talk. We we only want to hit two games because there's two games that really mattered this week. That was on Wednesday night. Coastal Carolina falls to Appalachian State. The undefeated streak ends. This is one that hurt me, I think, more than it hurt Scott because I have continued to ride with the beach chickens. Uh, longer than anybody else has. I've been a Coastal fan for a while now, ever since I learned the offensive line got brands on their thighs. I was like, those are my type of men. Um, App State beats Coastal 30-27. to 27. The big takeaway from this one, not only does the Sunbelt Conference, again, eat its, itself, um, it just swallows itself up, but this essentially makes sure that Coastal Carolina will not get a New Year's Six Bowl which I thought that they were on pace to. I thought the top 10 team in the country, you probably get a new – Scott, you disagree. You don't think there was a chance in hell that they were going to get a New Year's Six Bowl? I only disagree because we found out a few weeks ago that if Cincinnati were to make the playoff, that for whatever reason counts as the G5's auto bid. Hmm. Yeah, which is super lame, but that's why I felt like Coastal was was not in the running for it. That's tough. App State beats Coastal. Does it say more about the Mountaineers or the Chanticleers? I think it says more about Coastal. I think that it exposed some weaknesses up front um, and on the defensive line. I mean, they looked – they the offensive line did not look good. They got manhandled a little bit. The defensive line did not look good. Something that – I can't remember if it was the last podcast or one of our Friday night talks. I mentioned that Coastal's not a very – they don't have a great run defense. Uh, whenever they play somebody with a decent run game, they typically give up some yardage there. It's it's a pass rush defense. It's a disruptive defense that's willing to give up yardage in order to create, you know, turnovers and negative plays. And when they played App State, they, there was not a lot of disruption because App State just pounded the ball with, you know, Cam Peoples and Nate Noel repeatedly. And that, that was the ultimate undoing for Coastal. Uh, the onside kick, the surprise onside kick changed everything. I remember I did write in the newsletter, if App State was going to win, you had to keep the football out of Grace, out of Grayson McCall's hands. And that's what they did. They Coastal lost the time of possession battle for the first time. Um, and they kicked that onside kick down 14 to seven and tied the game because of it. So that, those two things, line of scrimmage and that onside kick, that won the game for the Mountaineers. 
DJ and watching these two Eastern teams play each other, you had to be thinking to yourself, can we beat either of them? I don't think we can. Our, if we had our defense from last year, I think we can compete with both of these teams. I mean, we if we had any offense last year, we could have beat Coastal, but it's a different story. But our defense is just – we're so hurt on the defensive side, and it's just been pathetic anyway. I don't think we can stop either of these offenses. Let me ask you this. You mentioned that if the defense of last year you, – you mentioned that if the offense showed up in that game against Coastal last year that you would have had a chance. Now, do you think that Coastal was a fraudulent champion in the Sun Belt? I don't, I don't think they were a fraudulent champion at all. I think they were a great team. But, I mean, I mean, George Southern almost beat Louisiana last year too. I mean, we had such a talented team last year and – competed with everybody, but I think, yeah, Louisiana and Coastal were by far the best two teams last year. Always the bridesmaid, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. All right, Louisiana played close with Arkansas State in a game that uh, really shocked me, Scott. Louisiana ends up eking it out 28-27. I think we both agreed that if Louisiana lost that one, it would be just defunct, that the fan base would just freak out, uh, which I was kind of hoping for. Arkansas State, though, 1-6, 0-3 in the Sun Belt now. And I would say Butch Jones's tenure right now, uh, not great. Not great if you hire a former SEC coach. You expect a little bit more, I think, in year one. Yeah, this has been a rough start, to say the least. And to be clear, it's entirely because of this defense, like 100%. There is no blame to be placed on that Arkansas State offense. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No, stop. Here's why. Here's why. Because they went with Lane Hatcher against Louisiana from first quarter to fourth quarter because James Blackman is nursing a shoulder injury. This is the first time they've used the quarterback the whole game, just one quarterback. And it worked. It worked out pretty well. They hit on a lot of big plays, and they stayed consistent. Go ahead. If they would have gone with Hatcher from the beginning, they would have gone with Hatcher from the beginning. The defense doesn't look nearly as bad because the defense would not be on the field nearly as much. Possibly, maybe this defense truly sucks. Like we've mentioned multiple times, it is still on pace to be the worst defense of all time in the Sun Belt Conference. It's so bad. Even against Louisiana, the Cajuns only scored 28 points. I think they had almost, they were just shy of 600 total yards. So this game, it says a lot more about Louisiana than it does about Arkansas State to only score 28 on almost 600 yards of offense. Chris Smith had over 200 rushing yards. Montreal Johnson had over 100 rushing yards. And you only scored 28 points. You got to figure something out. We've been talking about this since last year, Andrew. Why does Louisiana continuously play these stupidly close games when they don't have to? There's no need. It's unnecessary. The box score says you should have won this game by 15, 16, 17 points. You won by one. Why? Why? What was the purpose? They play down to their opponents first off. And then it's just kind of – it's a mix between not playing to your opponent or playing, I should say, playing to your opponent and dumb luck. A lot of the times, Louisiana ends up in these games where the box score doesn't make a lot of sense. And sometimes it really is just, you know, ball balances one way versus the other. DJ, did you get a chance to watch this West battle? Um, I caught bits and pieces. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I got – Louisiana just makes no sense. I mean, they – murder App State the week before by, like, 30-something points, and then they almost lose to arguably the worst team in the conference. And it's just 
when, team, when this team steps on the field, you don't know what to expect. That, and that's uh, another one of those signs for a bad team that if you're going to, if you're, if, if you're going to continue to just play down to your opponent, you're not a good team. And for Louisiana, I think now they have pretty much secured the West. They're going to win the West and app state is going to be the Eastern team. Scott, is that kind of what we've just figured out here? Um, I mean, there's still a lot to, lot to be played. Uh, so what we talked about on that last fun bell Friday night that you were not a part of was that the two biggest games in the Sun Belt happened on the same exact week, two days apart from each other in October. That doesn't mean that, that there's, there's not going to be anything in November. When, when you've been a part of the Sun Belt for a long time, watching Sun Belt football, so have I. When has there ever been a November in the Sun Belt where nothing of consequence happened? Just absolutely nothing. App State is one loss away from losing their crown in the East Division. That's it. They just got to lose one time. Georgia Southern, as bad as they are, they are a thorn in App State side. That it, that is the the rivalry, the Sun Belt. You can look at Arkansas State and Louisiana. They do typically play close to each other. I mean, I've been told, you know, when those two teams play, that is a real-life throw-the-records-out game. Troy, South Alabama, the same way. Georgia Southern can knock off App State. Coastal wins out, and you've got Coastal Louisiana. You're really overlooking the biggest uh, come-up story in college football, and that's ULM, who plays App State this week, um, which we're going to get to, but now we're going to talk expansion because this is, uh, this is the only reason that we keep Scott around at this point because he went from trying to get out of the conference to now getting to cover a team in the conference, Southern Miss. Southern Miss joins officially the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, Scott, you have the lifeblood. You, you're, you're the beat guy now for Southern Miss. What does this mean for the Golden Eagles joining the Sunbelt? First of all, I would like to just be express my own happiness that I don't have to deal with Conference USA football for more than one season, and that makes me happy. The, the, the timing of this is unbelievable. The fact that I get a job and I get to stay in the Sunbelt is just phenomenal. But for Southern Miss, basically, they go from being in this conference that goes from like El Paso to, you know, Miami, Florida, basically, to being in a much tighter knit area. They have four teams, I think, within driving distance, like short trip driving distance. You know, ULM, Louisiana, Troy, and South Alabama are very quick trips for Southern Miss. That changes everything. Before, it was just Louisiana Tech and maybe UAB, if you count that. I don't know. Now, everybody's together. And I think that's the big thing for the Sun Belt or, or for Southern Miss is that the, the travel was cut down a lot for fans and the teams. The other thing is, <clears throat> of course, competition and stability. That seems to be something that the fan bases have at Southern Miss. They haven't directly said, but it's kind of like that unsaid thing, like Conference USA is not the place to be because of that meteorites deal and the fact that six teams just, just bolted. So the fact that the Sunbelt and Keith Gill – the guy that we have spent the better part of two years dragging and pulling him through the mud has built a pretty stable conference. He got lucky. Say he that. Got he got lucky. He got lucky. I wouldn't say he got lucky. Um, because what the Sunbelt had 
with the summer it has, it's enough for teams like App State and Coastal and Louisiana and Georgia State to say, you know what, the American, the new American is not really, not really the play. It's not really what's in the cards right now. I just, you know, we made fun of this earlier. And DJ, you can get in on this joke too. That if you look at the conference net map now between the Sunbelt Conference and then that pesky, you know, a little upstart, the SEC, uh, you, you see the maps kind of on top of each other. And it looks weird. It literally, it is SEC's little brother. These are all the schools that, you know, you're in high school and all your friends are going to Louisiana state and you get better in-state tuition to go to Lafayette. You know, you know, there's a good chance that all your friends are going to go to old miss. And uh, I have a better, I get a better tuition opportunity to go to this other school. All I'm saying is, you know, God bless the Sunbelt conference up and down until I die. They've given me a chance to cry every single Saturday for six years now. Because uh, of how awful Texas State is, then for that I'll never, uh, I'll never uh, forgive them. I'm just SBC, SBC, SBC. You know, I just don't. It's I don't love it. I don't love it. But the Titan community is a good point. DJ, have anything to add? Um, nothing much. I do think that Sunbelt is the best. Is is the best group of five conference after adding these four teams, and I, I don't think it's relatively close. I'll buy it when we get multiple teams in the power or in the top 25, not getting UTSA. And I know as a Texas state fan that that's like blasphemy to say, but I've given up all of my Texas state cred. I'm, I'm done with them. Our, or uh, Arizona state forks up baby. Um, Can you name not- Arizona state player? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, but I can name, I can name a lot of the, I can name a lot of the cheerleading staff. Um, not getting UTSA hurts the Sun Belt, And here's why, because UTSA is one of those teams. Then three years, Scott, we're going to be talking about in the same conversation as Lafayette and uh, App State. And sorry, not, probably not Georgia State, but they're going to be that same conversation of like really good group of five team, not really good enough to be competing with the power five teams just yet. Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. Why? I don't know. I just like it when you're wrong. I like to bring it up, you know, a week later or a year later, whenever it comes around. So you think, so What? what's better odds here? Coastal Carolina, App State, Louisiana getting a New Year's Six Bowl or UTSA continuing to be in a power, continue to be in the AP top 25 in three years. What's more likely between now and then UTSA multiple top 25 finishes in the AP poll. Okay, so what is continuing? Come okay. again. So, okay. So here's, okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting it on the table in front of me. UTSA two finishes or more. In the top 25 hole over the next three years. Yes. Or any – how about any Sunbelt school yeah. finishing New Year's Six? Yeah. I'll take any Sunbelt school first. Really? Okay. Okay. You you probably look at it as the expanded playoffs are coming too. And we're going to get a I'm, The way I'm looking at it is a school like UTSA, all it takes is one L to get out of the top 25. That's it. Mm. There you go. That's a good one. So let's talk about the other teams that are added uh, to the Sunbelt Conference. I know there's a bunch that you really like, Scott. A whole bunch. Yeah, all four of them. 
big fans of I'm, I'm okay sorry look at this i try to give you i try to tee it up and you just knock it down that's fine that's fine of the four teams that are added scott which one makes you the most happy so way back what in the summer one of the first teams that i kept bringing up when i talked with everybody i said it on twitter i said it you know in our group chats and all that james madison was the big ticket in all of this that was the big prize whoever got james madison wins in the g5 the Sun Belt wins there's still some uh state legislation i guess that james madison has to work through but it's expected to happen James Madison is a huge, would be a massive addition to the Sun Belt. And not only because they bring a football team with a massive ceiling, but they bring a lot of sports that probably are going to compete across the board. The Sun Belt team, the the softball team is going to compete in the Sun Belt immediately. It might be the best softball team in the league right away. It's They were on national TV last year repeatedly. I mean, they, that's a that's a like NCAA tournament softball team that they've got up there at, at James Madison. So I'm excited about them. They will, as I've said before, they'll automatically like as soon as they join, they will have the biggest budget in the Sun Belt as far as athletics goes by nearly 15 million dollars. And they, they care about sports. And that's what the Sun Belt looks for, obviously, when the Sun Belt was expanding and added Texas State and App State and Georgia Southern and Coastal, they looked at schools that put money into athletics, regardless of how well they handle it. Andrew, I'll give you that caveat. Schools that put money into athletics and James Madison puts it, they put a lot of money into it. They care a lot about it. And that's a, that's kind of the same reason why they went after Old Dominion. You know, there there are reasons why you're not going after markets. The Sun Belt has – they have seen that play out. Uh, they don't want to go that route. So you go after James Madison. You go after Old Dominion, two schools that put a crap ton of money into their sports. Well, the other thing, too, with uh, media rights and media markets and stuff like that is the whole reason that you want to have one school in every single little state – is that you get that money. When those cable bills come, you get that money. The thing about streaming and the Sunbelt Conference now officially lives on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. I think that is now where we are relegated. I'm 100% okay with that. If you give me one Sunbelt game a year on ESPN2, I'm fine. I love it. ESPN+, Plus, the student broadcasters could do a much better job, but it's, it's fine. It's fine for what it is. Um, you don't need to have a bunch of big markets. In fact, Georgia state's Atlanta poll doesn't really even matter all that much anymore to me. I don't think that that's like, I don't think that other people and fans and people who cover the team can lean back on like, well, the Sunbelt wouldn't be anything without Georgia state. We're in Atlanta. I don't think that even matters anymore, Scott. No, it doesn't. The only difference that I've noticed with Georgia state is, um, when I when I've covered games there, they actually have a lot of people in that press box. But I think it's it's just a lot of bloggers who just want to cover, you know, a football game. But they do have a lot of people up there. That's where I see the difference in Georgia State. That's that's about it, though. Full press boxes mean very little to me when the stadium is empty. That's a fact. That's a fact. Georgia State struggles to get students at those football games. You want to kick uh, them while they're down as well, DJ? Oh, I always love it. I always love to have a chance to kick Georgia State while they're down. Um, I mean, they, I mean, it's the Atlanta market, but it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Like y'all said, I mean, when I've I've covered one game there, and there were quadruple as many Georgia Southern fans as there was Georgia State fans. 
And it's just, I mean, the state championship game for football for 1A pulls more fans at that game at that stadium than Georgia State ever has. And it's just, I mean. Give us a spice, DJ. I love it. Scott, you had something to add? Yeah, while we're on Georgia State, I just wanted to say this before we got off of Georgia State. We have to talk about now the the Zach Thomas Award rules. Hold on. I want you to hold on to that. Because we can we can put that at the end. There's two more teams we need to talk about when we talk about expansion of the Sunbelt Conference. Scott, you hit Old Dominion, you hit JMU. Well, there's one. You hit JMU, you hit Old Dominion, you hit Southern Miss. Give us the last one. Marshall. So I learned something neat about Marshall today. They don't have a baseball stadium. They just so don't have are they just not gonna play baseball in the Sunbelt or are they gonna they, they play baseball? They play baseball. I've learned that they play at a local YMCA. That's going to have to change. That is going to have to change. <laughs> they um, are planning to build a stadium, but they're not going to be in it for like another three years. Apparently, Conference USA wouldn't even let them play at like their home games at that stadium. They had to go like to some town somewhere else to play their home games. That's incredible. So what now that we, we've kind of hit it, when does this all take effect, Scott? When do all these teams get to join? When are we going to have some games going? Southern Miss and Old Dominion join on July 1st, 2023, just like everything else. You know, that, that Texas and Oklahoma, they start July 1st, 2023. Everything else is going to kind of fall in line at the same time. That's that's when games start. 2023, we're going to see a very fun and very competitive Sunbelt. But until then, we don't get anything. DJ, out of the four schools, which one are you most excited about? Oh, James Madison easy it's it's not really that much of a question in my eyes I mean I think they're gonna have just as successful a transition to FBS as a school like App State did as kind of Georgia Southern did at first that obviously didn't last very long but I mean I think they're gonna come in and they I mean they can compete for the conference right away I don't think they're gonna have that eight and oh season that Georgia Southern had in year one which was pretty unprecedented. I don't think that's ever happened in, in uh, you know, FBS football. But I do think they are right away probably going to be, you know, a six-plus win team, even though they can't play for a bowl game that first year. I don't think I don't think they're going to be like Coastal. I don't think they're going to have those three and nine, five and seven, five and seven, and then be good. I think they're going to be six wins, and then they're going to just go up from there. So you're saying year one, you're going to look at the schedule, Scott. You're going to pick six wins for JMU? Look at the Sunbelt right now. There's six uh, six out of ten teams are in some kind of rebuild phase. Who knows what it looks like in two years, but if James Madison this year played this schedule, they can probably find six wins. Mm, I don't know, man. They're beating Texas State. They're beating Troy. That's that's fine. Okay, so that's two. They're beating you. They're, they're beating Georgia no, Southern. See, they're beating that's, Arkansas that's where I'm State. stopping you right there. I'm stopping, you right there. I'm stopping you right there because ULM is a Africa legit Sunbelt. team. Okay, fine. Take away ULM. They're beating Arkansas State. They're beating Georgia Southern. They're beating Troy, Texas State, Georgia State. They're beating all those teams. DJ, do you disagree? I don't disagree at all. God I mean, I think, <laughs> I think at worst they're they're six and six when they come in. At worst. See, okay, then I'll add mine. I Scott's most excited for Southern Miss because he gets to cover a Sunbelt team. You're most excited for JMU because they're going to compete, which I don't know why you'd be excited for a team to come in and kick your ass. I don't know why you'd root for that, but congrats. I'm excited I'll be, for I'll be graduated by then, so. 
let me tell you, as somebody who's graduated, the hurt doesn't stop. Just because you broke up with her doesn't mean she can't get you on Instagram. I'll tell you that. Um, look, I'm excited for Marshall because Marshall's going to be coming in and this faux pas rivalry that App States had with Coastal and Marshall and Louisiana. I'm excited for that because I actually want them in the conference and I can see them multiple times a year play Sunbelt teams and compete. I'm excited for Marshall. I love the Thundering Herd. That is my pick. And hopefully that they're better than JMU, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss so I can go get my Marshall gear early and just jump on that bandwagon the same way I'm on the Coastal bandwagon until the wheels fall off. Scott? Yes. Um, I'm excited about the rivalries that are going to come from this. You know, App State and uh, Marshall, like you said, that's huge. When we watched that game earlier this season, I think we all had the same thought. We could do this every year. Mm-hmm. It would be phenomenal if we did that game every year. Troy Southern Miss could be big. Uh, Southern Miss South Alabama could be big. James Madison Old Dominion. That could be a really good game every year. This is stuff that we're going to get in a couple of years, and I'm really, I think it's really cool that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped up for it too. Now you were going to mention something about the. Zach Thomas Award. DJ, I'm going to give you a little background here. The Zach Thomas Award is given to the player in the Sunbelt Conference that underachieves the most, slash is hyped up in the preseason and then does not show up at all uh, during the regular season or show up very little. Now, Scott, I'm assuming you're going to have a – what happens if somebody doesn't show up the first half and then starts showing up the second half? Is that correct? No? Okay. No. My, my question was what happens if our – front runner for the award is no longer on the team what if he goes from first team all sunbelt to not even on roster anymore halfway through the season see to Does me he still qualify to, to me that makes it very interesting the same way that uh well hold on let's think about that because spencer rattler was the heisman favorite before the season and he might not be on the roster in a couple weeks either so i think it's the same way that if you're going to win the award, you have to be on a roster. We'll make that the rule. Stipulation, Zach Thomas Award, you got to be on a roster at the end of the year. I know it's tough, but he will get the in memoriam at the end of the season. We'll have his name plastered up there and say in memoriam. You, you could have won this award, kid, but you couldn't stay on the team. That's going to make it hard to find somebody else. So we had Jalen Tolbert was our early leader, but then he just went crazy. He just started just destroying teams. And then it became very apparent that Destin Coates was our leader who was first team all Sunbelt, number two on every Georgia State rushing record, fell off the depth chart. Fell like third string, then to fourth string. Today's news, not counting Old Dominion. He's transferring. He is in the transfer portal, and he's leaving Georgia State. Now, do we Destin know why, Coates, Mr. Sunbelt Conference, do we know why that he has decided to transfer? Uh, for starters, he went from being – running back one to being running back four. This typically doesn't go over well for a college kid. Uh, There were issues this year where, you know, in the past he had some, you know, fumble issues, but it carried over into this year. Uh, He's made mistakes on the field when he's had the opportunity. And I've been told there's an attitude issue there. When you're running back four and you are expressing your displeasure over being running back four, as a awesome belt player, time's up. You're done. You don't have a spot on that team anymore. Good luck in the future. 
So Destin Coates uh, in the transfer portal, I haven't looked officially, but I'm assuming very soon he is not going to be on that official roster. So I think that he's still a college football player, though. Like, unlike Adcock, who was just, he's done. He's not going to be playing football anymore. This kid can actually play. Like, he's a he's a solid talent. And the fumble issue can easily be resolved um, just in practice, <laughs> you know? I, so do you think that he goes to a Power 5 team, an FCS team, a JUCO? How, where do you think that uh, he goes from here, Scott? Probably only down. I mean, you're going to have a – you need to have a phenomenal reference if you're going to go up from Georgia State after dropping from, you know, all Sun Belt to fourth string on your own team. I would, I would assume FCS, FCS level where he will play out his days as, a, as somebody's rushing leader. He's a – like as you said, he is a good player. He is. I mean, you don't you don't become one of the greatest players at your position at a school, albeit a very young school that has an air raid history. But you still don't get to that position by being bad at your job. DJ. Um, sorry, I kind of zoned out. Can you ask a question again? There you go. All right, Scott, <laughs> let's go over the uh, let's go over the big games of the week. The biggest game coming tomorrow, Thursday, Troy versus number 24, Coastal Carolina. This is a 17-point spread. We'll go down the list right here. We'll just go quick. Troy, do they cover the 17-point spread, Scott? Yes. They cover the 17. DJ, do they cover 17? I think they do. All right. I don't think so. I think Coastal Carolina is going to win by more than 17. I hate Troy. Scott? You know, I have never admitted to hating Texas State. You, yes, you do. Yes, you no. do, DJ. And for the fans at home who need to hear the story all the time, the only reason I'm the co-host of this podcast is because he needed somebody that was going to talk Texas State because he didn't want to. Don't let the record, don't let it be twisted that I got suckered into this because he needed somebody to talk Texas State. Troy Coastal, I think Troy doesn't. They got to go to Myrtle Beach. This is a Troy team that already lost to ULM. I don't trust them. The defense is good. The offense. Is still bad, right, Scott? Are you not? Are you not on board with this? The offense still hasn't shown up. Coastal looking for a team to beat up. Yeah, Troy wins. Texas State and UL or Texas State and Lafayette. I refuse to call them Louisiana. Uh, ULM deserves that respect. They deserve to be the only Louisiana in the Sun Belt. So Texas State versus Lafayette. Lafayette's a 21 and a half point favorite. DJ, we'll start with you. Does Texas State find a way to cover on the road? No, not. I'm, I don't think they'll be remotely close to covering either. Jesus. Scott? Yes. All right. You think Louisiana covers? No, Texas State covers. Why? Give me the reason. It's Louisiana. It's Louisiana. They. I don't know why they beat the crap out of App State. They did the same thing to Ohio, but all the games in between, they just played really close for whatever reason that we just we don't know. Yeah, so that's what I'm counting on here. It's it's like a back and forth thing. They've yet to put two complete games together, um, so that would mean they should beat Texas State by a lot. But it's been more it's been more like two close games, a beat down, two close games, a beat down. So I'm going with Texas State to cover. Louisiana, if you want to be the team of the Sunbelt Conference, because Louisiana fans were complaining all 
offseason about the fact they didn't get a rematch with Coastal Carolina. They thought they deserved to be the champion. If you want to be the champion, you got to beat the teams in front of you. You got to beat Texas State. But I disagree. I think Texas State doesn't cover. I've heard rumors, pray tell, that uh, <laughs> Tyler Vitt has been getting number one reps in San Marcos. Brady McInterception may be taking a seat, but it is like the king of the turnover and the Duke trying to figure out who rules the interception turnover kingdom. Uh, I don't trust either one of these guys. I think Louisiana covers. Scott, you looked intrigued. Yeah, I, no, you answered my question. I just want to know how you felt about it, how, about having you know Brady McBride, your former lover, and Tyler Vitt. Tyler Vitt, Tyler Vitt got thrown into a Rutgers game that Rutgers looked like Penn State when Texas State played him. So I've always had a soft spot for Vitt. I always thought that he, you know, he was a good kid. He led the San Antonio school to a lot of success. He seems like a really good guy, but good guys don't win football games. The only good guy who's ever won a football game is Tim Tebow, and he made a deal with Jesus Christ himself. Good guys don't win football games. Good players do. So I don't think Texas State wins this one. I don't think they cover either. ULM and App State. App State, seven or 27-point favorite at home. Now, ULM, Terry Bowden, golded out, decked out. I think that's distraction. I think that hurts the team, Scott. Your thoughts? Okay, Colin Coward. Okay, Colin Coward. <laughs> Trinidad hey, James. Actually, you know what? Pause, Scott. Go to DJ because Georgia Southern knows a thing or two about uh, distractions. Terry Bowden golded out. Do you think that's a distraction? I don't think it's a distraction at all. Oh, okay. Your head coach decked out in a, in a gold tracksuit, got the bling on. You don't think that that's going to, you know, give you a false sense of security going into one of the best teams in the country. Well, let, let me rephrase that. One of the best schools in the conference. <laughs> no, I think, he's, I think he's just trying to bring swagger to ULM. They haven't had much in a while, so he's just bringing it back. Or bringing it to I don't know if it was Yeah, can't bring, bring something back that never was there. Scott, you're unmuted. Continue. Yeah, um, not a distraction. Trinidad, James, and the Warhawks cover. 27-point spread. You got them covering. Do they win the game? DJ? I think they cover. I think they make it close, but I think they'll lose by about two possessions. Scott? I agree. I agree. I think the Warhawks are still the weirdest team in the world, but they don't win. But they've got the best win of the season beating the Trojans. Arkansas State versus South Alabama. South Alabama, a nine point favorite at home. I don't trust this one. This is a weird one. This is almost like one of those uh, games that Arkansas State should pull out. I just, something weird tells me that this is the game that Butch Jones finally puts it together. Uh, you know, I'd like to think so, but. You know, you might have just convinced me. You you gave no reasoning whatsoever. At, you gave no bullet points. You, you, you brought your thesis. You you didn't present body one, body two, body three. But, you know, whatever. I'll fill it out for you. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't work for the Sunbelt Pages anymore. Arkansas State beats South Alabama. Screw the freaking Jaguars. I hate those guys anyway. DJ, thoughts? I'm taking South Alabama. I just I, Arkansas State's defense is just so bad. So I bad. Don't trust. All right, them. let's go. Let's let's take it a step further. This will be our wild card. Sixty-six and a half points is the over/under. 
Do you think they go over or under DJ the 66 and a half? Over. over. Going over. Scott, you're going over or under 66 and a half? South Alabama has Jake Bentley and Jalen Tolbert. Arkansas State has Lane Hatcher and like four receivers. I think about 70 to 80 points are going to be scored here. I need to find what the weather's like in South Alabama, Mobile. Give me – it's humid. All right. Well, then, you're yeah, you're going to have a lot of points put up. Oh, and then now we have a rivalry game. The whole reason we brought DJ on, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. Game of the week on Saturday night. Well, probably the second game of the week. Well, third game of the week because ULM. Well, Arkansas State and South Alabama. A game that happens this week is Georgia State and Georgia Southern. DJ, take it away. I am not excited for this game at all, other than the fact that it is homecoming this week. This, why, why are you excited for homecoming when you're a student that goes to that school? What makes homecoming exciting for you, somebody who next Monday will get up and go to class again, that you you were by the campus? Why is homecoming cool for you, somebody that's there? I always had this question. never made any sense to me. I, I can walk through campus right now, and I can get 20 goodie, ba- goodie bags of free candy. I mean, that's freaking – Best day of the week. I thought it was going to be something else. DJ, you're a little bit young for this podcast. Scott, what are your thoughts on? My parents are going to listen to this. I got to. Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, Before the season, I picked Georgia Southern to upset Georgia State. I don't even I don't even know what the point spread is here, but regardless, whoever wins, it's not an upset. I don't care who wins this game. Six and a half to who? Georgia State? Georgia State is a six and a half point favorite on the road. I still don't think it's necessarily an upset if Georgia Southern wins. I had Georgia State looking a lot better by this point. They look rough. Uh, Darren Granger isn't the greatest quarterback, but he is better than whatever Georgia Southern puts on the field. They've got good wide receivers, and they utilize them, unlike Georgia Southern. They have a much better defense than Georgia Southern, as DJ mentioned earlier the defense is looking rough. Uh, it's been quite the change from last year. Georgia Southern was number one in total defense in 2020. They are now number nine in total defense. They are second to last in one year. They'd be last if that abomination in Jonesboro didn't exist. It's been quite the change. I think Georgia Southern covers. I'm mean, sorry, Georgia State. Sorry, Georgia State wins and covers that that six and a half points spread. This is a team, I'm, and I'm sorry, DJ, and I'm sorry to DJ's parents, that this is a team that does not – it's a lifeless. Georgia Southern is lifeless. They're walking – you know what? For Halloween, they are. They look like they're undead. Um, a zombie of a team that we thought we were going to see earlier this year. And I'm taking, I'm taking the Panthers too – or what, the Jaguars? I'm taking that cat team at Georgia State. I hate it. I don't like them. I'm not a big fan. Um also, they beat they beat Texas State last week, so I still have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Oh yeah, we didn't do that, did we? We just we just skimmed right over that game. Well, you know, when we do a Pac-12 podcast here in a couple of years, Scott, uh, we'll we'll talk Sun Devils. We'll have that'll be the Sun Devil segment, that middle part. But until until Texas State shows me something, I'm done. I'm not I'm not invested anymore. For Scott, for DJ, I'm Andrew. We will talk to you next week. Uh, Scott, tease it. What do we have? We got Friday night. We, we're doing a breakdown Friday night. We've got one more fun belt Friday night. Be one there. more. One more. 
And then next week, do we have a guest? Yes, it is our very own Zach Brenner. Oh, that'll be fun. I get to talk Trojan, Troy Trojans to two losers. All right, next week, be here.